Reading from Isaiah. Tremble, you women who are at ease. Shudder, you complacent ones. Strip and make yourselves bare and put sackcloth on your loins. Beat your breasts for the pleasant fields, for the fruitful vine, for the soil of my people, growing up in thorns and briars. Yes, for all the joyous houses in the jubilant city, for the palace will be forsaken and the populous city deserted. The hill and the watchtower will become dens forever. The joy of wild asses, a pasture for flocks, until a spirit from on high is poured out on us and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. The effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness, and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
reading from the Gospel according to John. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you truly are my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. Thanks be to God.
I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the power of the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, 
Joining us for a choral evensong this evening, uh, Ginger asked me to tell you what kind of soup we have, and I've totally forgotten what kind of it is. I think it's butternut squash. Butternut squash, right. How could I forget that? Really? And it's in two kinds, you know? It's like a sacramental sort of a butternut squash. We have a regular kind and a vegan kind. So we've got all the, all the bases covered here with our butternut squash. So there's that to look forward to uh, immediately after this service. And one of the things we look forward to at uh, all too infrequent intervals is to welcoming the Reverend Rosalind Hughes uh, as Hamas at Evensong, one of our special favorite folks here at Trinity Cathedral. And she's off doing the good work at the Church of the Epiphany in Euclid a great deal of the time, but we're happy to be able to lure her back every so often here, and it's always a very great pleasure when we happen to get those stars to line up. So, Robin, thank you. Thank you, Todd. It's always, as you know, a pleasure to be back. It's like a homecoming, but in the best possible way. <laughs> <laughs> the truth shall make you free, so Jesus told his disciples, but we often prefer the safe cages of half-truths or legends or outright falsehood to the freedom, the burdensome responsibility of free agency and authority to love God before all else and our neighbor in truth as ourselves. 
couple of years ago, I attended a conference hosted by the Bishops United Against Gun Violence in Chicago. The title was Unholy Trinity, Poverty, Racism, and Gun Violence. It was, as you may imagine, three days filled with powerful, uncomfortable truths set free by Bible study and communal worship, shared experience, and by the gospel. Then, the Reverend Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas addressed us. And that prominent theologian of the Episcopal Church freed her tongue and told the assembly boldly, you cannot be white and be a Christian. Can you imagine how that incendiary package of truth exploded on the silence of her audience, a silence broken only by the sharp intake of a few hundred breaths? You cannot be white and be a Christian in America today. The truth will set you free. To preach the commemoration of Frederick Douglass is an exercise in humility for a white woman of considerable privilege. To try to bring his words and example to bear upon the way in which we hear the gospel today without reduction or exploitation or appropriation is an exercise in repentance. My repentance will not be perfect, so I ask your forgiveness up front. But in the words of Dr. Brown Douglas that day, I remembered what Frederick Douglas had to say a couple of centuries earlier about slaveholder Christianity. You remember the truth that he told in an appendix to his first autobiographical narrative regarding what he called the slaveholding religion of this land. He wrote, between the Christianity of this land and the Christianity of Christ, I recognize the widest possible difference, so wide that to receive the one as good, pure, and holy is of necessity to reject the other as bad, corrupt, and wicked. To be the friend of one is of necessity to be the enemy of the other. I love the pure, peaceable, and impartial Christianity of Christ, he wrote. I therefore hate the corrupt, slave-holding, women-whipping, cradle-plundering, partial, and hypocritical Christianity of this land. Shall I not visit for these things, saith the Lord? Shall not my soul be avenged on such a nation as this? Douglas had told in his narrative the unfortunate tale of the kind Sophia, his mistress when he first was sent to Baltimore City. She was the one who began to teach him to read. She treated him with dignity and with kindness. But it was not enough for Sophia to be kind. When her husband discovered their lessons, he instructed her that it was wrong and dangerous to teach slaves literacy. It would make one unfit to be a slave. There would be no keeping him, he said. Douglas, 
a child of around 11 or 12 at the time, seized upon his words. He writes, from that moment, I understood the pathway from slavery to freedom. The very decided manner with which he spoke and strove to impress his wife with the evil consequences of giving me instruction served to convince me that he was deeply sensible of the truths that he was uttering. What he most dreaded, that I most desired. He was deeply sensible of the truths he was uttering, that to treat a slave with dignity and invest in him the ability to learn and seek and find for himself all truth, that would unfit him to be a slave forever. The truth would make him free, and his master dreaded freedom. On the other side of the page, Sophia found herself seduced and corrupted and finally chained to the profitable lies of slaveholding. After her husband's rebuke, she began to change. Douglas described how slavery proved as injurious to her as it did to me. When I went there, she was a pious, warm and tender-hearted woman. Slavery soon proved its ability to divest her of these heavenly qualities. Under its influence, the tender heart became stone. To borrow a turn of phrase from Kelly Brown Douglas, you cannot be a slaveholder and a Christian. The lies that you tell yourself, wise Sophia, in order to justify your position in the world are incompatible with the truth that sets Frederick free. The dignity of a man made in the very image of God loved and redeemed for freedom by Jesus Christ. It is not enough, Sophia, to be tender-hearted, kind, and merciful. Unless you actively resist your husband's decrees, unless you will oppose yourself to the slaveholder's life that you lead and pull down its structure, dismantle its scaffold, you cannot call yourself a Christian because as a slaveholder you will one day curb the truth and cut wood for the cross and find that you have whitewashed your prayers as though they do not run with the blood of Frederick and his mother and his sister, his brothers, his ancestors and his descendants. The young Frederick Douglass befriended the poor little white boys who ran around his neighborhood and turned them into his teachers. Whatever book learning they had, he bartered for bread from Sophia's kitchen. And it's clear from his tender tone that he loved them for it. He loved that he was able to make an equal exchange with them, and they accepted him as one of their own brothers, and amongst themselves, they made a true friendship, and a community in which they sustained one another. He freed them from hunger, and they freed him to read. But later, boys like these might have been among the mob that attacked him at the shipyard, afraid that his slave labor might undermine their own wages. They could not grow up white and remain Christian. Unless we are on guard against the corrupting influence of slavery 
and of its bastard offspring, systemic racism, personal prejudice, implicit inescapable bias, white self-interest, and yes, white supremacy. Then those of us who are descended from Sophia and the street urchins are subject always to fall into its snares of sin. The truth shall set you free. When Dr. Brown Douglas addressed the unholy trinity after they'd recovered their breath, a few in the audience found their voice again. We hear the truth in what you say, but you can't say it like that, they told her, trying to tame her truth and settle it softly into the trap they hadn't even seen themselves setting. The false promise of peace without righteousness, the false prophecies of redemption without repentance, mercy without justice, the mirage of freedom without the breaking of chains. The truth will make you free, said Jesus. What is truth, asked Pilate. I am the way and the truth and the life said Jesus, and the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed upon him. Amen.
I invite you to join with me in prayer number two. Let us pray. Be present, Spirit of God, within us, your dwelling place and home, that this house may be one where all darkness is penetrated by your light, all troubles calmed by your peace, all evil redeemed by your love, all pain transformed in your suffering, and all dying glorified in your risen life. Amen. Let us bless the Peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge of the love of God and of God's Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.